Lord, we do thank you for another day. We thank you for the privilege to worship you, to sing songs to you, even as we're thinking about this letter that you had written to an ancient church. God, we confess we want to live as your people today, not just hearing about the old and what you did centuries ago. We want to see you move in power, even in our own lives, in our city, in our world, and even in places where that seems impossible, Lord, we know nothing is impossible with you. So Holy Spirit, wake us up to who you are and what you want us to be because of you, Jesus. And Lord, we say at the beginning, whatever it is that you're stirring towards our lives and what you want us to do, we're going to say yes to that. As hard as it seems, as difficult and as challenging as it seems, we want to say before we hear anything, we're open, Lord, to your moving, and we will obey. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. It is good to be back. If you missed last week, I was in Yash in the northeast part of Romania. I've gone there every year for about 20 years, and we're preparing for an outreach. It's my first time in this particular town, and so more details as we get closer, but Lord willing, in May, uh, we'll be going and sharing the gospel with local churches, and I just love being a part of a church that cares about the world, and not just us. Everyone needs the gospel all the time. And so um, be praying about that, that God does something beautiful and many come to faith in him. But you, you have these side benefits, uh, you know, combinations of things. While I was there, I had the best fresh baked German pretzel with French pate on it. It will change your world. <laughs> Absolutely. Until you Google what pate is. And then and that's another story. Like, oh, I, I ate that. And it was delicious. And it's just ground up meat. Wow. Uh, wow, wow, whatever it was. Anyway, another story for another day. Well, if you were here last Sunday, you realize we jumped ahead to the end of Ephesians 5 because Phil and Diane, I asked them months in advance, uh, but I never caught up to them, uh, to look at what it means to live out the reality that you are loved. You're loved. God loves you deeply. Now, what does that mean? That means we should think about our relationships differently out of God's love. We're to love and respect one another. And if you missed last week, it was so hysterically funny. I was listening to the podcast in Germany on a day off, and I was just laughing in the streets, me and my AirPods. I'm walking down the street in Stuttgart, Germany, just laughing out loud. And they thought, crazy American. Um, but it was so good, so refreshing. If you missed it, it's on the podcast. All right, we're looking at 10 things that are true of you. They gave one of them. But let's just recap. Some of you might be new if you're visiting. Welcome. We're going through the Bible to see what the Bible says about us. Ten things to start the first ten weeks of this new decade that define who we are because of Jesus. These aren't thoughts about what you could be. These are truths about who you are if you belong to Jesus. Right now, whether you feel that they're true, whether you see the outworking of it or not, whether you feel like it's becoming effective, irrelevant. It's true of you. Write them down if you haven't been here. Let's just look at them in, uh, in turn. We're one in Jesus. That is we're united at the deepest level. Church matters because God has made us one. We're gifted differently. We don't all have the same abilities, natural or given by the Holy Spirit. We're unique. That means you matter. What you have matters and what you do matters because we're gifted differently. We need one another. We are new God gave us a new start because of Jesus. So it's not like I'm just trying to be a better person. I'm new because of what Jesus has done. And that means we are fully forgiven. God has removed our sin. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far as he removed it, it's really gone, gone. And even though I don't remember that because I remember what I've done, God says not guilty. And that is, that's good news. And then last week we learned from Phil and Diane, we're loved. So love should, should not be the motivation with how I live with everyone, but especially if you are married. Love ought to make the difference, the love of Jesus in your marriage. All right, and today we're going to look at the next one, and we'll just start by reading Ephesians 5, and we'll get to one thought for today. Ephesians 5, I'm going to start in verses 1 and 2. We did this a couple of weeks ago, and then we're really going to dig into verses 3 and following. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Everything we're about to read, hear me, is based on this reality. Follow God's example. God is not trying to trick us. Sometimes we think that, that God is like mean in the, in the way that he tells us to live a certain way, but he makes it impossible and he's tricking us. No. We can follow God's example as dearly loved children. So everything I'm about to say is based on the reality, if you've chosen to express faith in Jesus, you've been adopted into a new family. You are now holy, separated. You can now be in the presence of God before you couldn't. You could know about him, but you couldn't fully be in his presence because uh, God is holy and those who are going to come to him must be holy. It doesn't mean that we never do wrong. It means we've we got to be put in a spot where we can be with God. And guess what? Jesus has done that. Now because of that, what are we going to see this morning? Let's just keep reading in verse 3 and then we'll give us the idea for the day. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Notice, God's holy people. You're already holy, so certain things just don't make sense. Verse 4, nor should there be uh, obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance of the kingdom of God, of Christ, and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. If it's already convicting, join the club. But notice... Everything that he said is improper or doesn't make sense is because you are deeply loved. You are a child of God. You are holy. So some things, like I said, don't make sense. Uh, verse 8, for you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. And then in like parentheses, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that's illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, quote, Wake up, sleeper. 
rise from the dead, and Christ will, will shine on you. This morning, I want us to remember, and write this down, my friends, we are light. This is the truth that I want us to live into. This is absolutely true if you belong to Jesus. We are right now, like right now, right now. You say, Jose, we had a discussion in the car this morning that wasn't very like Jesus. Like, we are light. Well, last night I went out with my friends and, and uh, I didn't realize we would end up. And then I found myself and I woke up this morning. Hey, we are light. These things are already true of you. So when you read anything in the Bible, especially the New Testament, that says, stop doing this. Remember the motivation. The reason we're called to live as light is because we already are light. So if you had a dark thought, if you had a sinful way this week, join the club. Now we're going to get to verses 3 to 7, which talks about the things we're supposed to stop doing. But I want us to jump ahead and think about light. Verse 8 is the, is the hinge. This is why falling into sin continually and not caring about that never makes sense. Because verses 8, 9, and 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. In verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. This is a radical claim. Some have suggested that verses 5 through 8 of, Rome, uh, of Ephesians 5 is the summary of the whole letter. If you just want to like, you know, Cliff Notes version or you, know, you read a book, you're like, I can't remember the whole thing. Certain things just summarize everything. And these verses right here summarize everything in the entire letter. You once were darkness, you're now light, so live like the light and find out what pleases God. And here's the part that's really radical, and I want us to think about this. Paul, and I've looked at this very carefully, word for word. Paul does not say, we are like the light. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, for now we are close to the light, or we resemble the light, or we're in proximity of the light. You know what he says? Now we are light. That is so radical, especially when I think about the messiness in my mind right now. My mind wanders. I don't know about you. I could tell when your mind is wandering and I'm talking, but that's another story for another day. But my mind wanders. And if you think that just because I'm a preacher, I've got it all together, man, grow up, wake up. We're all in this mess together. There are so many things about me that are not light. But here's what I want to remember. If you want to take charge of your life, if you want to actually live the way of Jesus, you got to remember you can because you are light. So this is not about like, God, come on, I've been going at this for 10 years. Will you please help me out? He's saying, I already did. You are light. By the way, Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus says, you are salt and you are what? Light. So you don't hide a light in a, in a little corner somewhere. You put it on a hill. And guess what? You are light. So, so, okay, all right, now here's the problem. You're like, Jose, thanks for the theory. But, but if we are light, then why is our mind so messy? And if we're light, then how can we keep stumbling in sin, which is wrong, and we know it, but I'm holy, but I sin. 
this is weird. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks about these things. Midweek, I got free time, man. I'm just like I'm pondering. Well, no, it's because the Bible talks about what Jesus has done, and we need to catch this. If you're part of this church, we say it like every third week. What God has done is already done, and it's not yet done. Already and not yet. And this, is, this may seem philosophical, but it's just the way the Bible works. When the Bible writers talk about our freedom and what God has done, it talks about it as already done and not yet not yet done. So Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. What does that mean? It's done. So Jesus dies and rise again. And when I put my faith in him, my sin is gone, gone. I am saved, rescued, forgiven, free. It's absolutely already done. Yet, we don't see all that God has done in Jesus fully lived out yet. That is, Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and when I come back, you will be with me. So everything God has done for you is already done, but it's not yet done. In other words, you're saved, but you are being saved. God rescued you, but is rescuing you. And by the way, to make it even more confusing, God will rescue you. Past, present, future. So what God is doing is he's bringing us. We're already rescued. But in this time between the times, he already did it. I, re I received Christ. But I'm, I'm not with him in, in fullness. This is the time between the times. So all of the letters written to churches reflect this mindset. You will be in the presence of God and forever be holy and pure. But you know what? Until then... Live like you already are and will be. If God rescued you, live a rescued life. Because guess what? One day you'll see him face to face. So if God has said, I'm going to take you to be with me, it makes no sense to say, I'm saved. But until God fully brings me to himself, I'm just going to live like I want. That makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. So we're living in this, what they call in the Bible, the time between the times. Jesus rose again and Jesus is going to return. Until then, we're called to live into who we are. So I'm already rescued, but guess what? I'm not yet fully living in the way I will someday. And in this time, we struggle with our two identities. I, I am human and apart from Jesus, I just do things that are just wrong. Yet, God has already saved me. He is saving me. And he will save me. And, and therein lies the tension. We're still going to sin. We're still going to suffer. We're still going to deal with shame. We're still going to feel uh, guilt at times. And here's the beauty. That doesn't mean we aren't light. It just means that what we need to do is remember who we are. And ask God for the mercy and grace to live like we already are. We are light. And so because we will be light forever, Jesus, help me now. Now, in light of that, verse 3 starts to make sense and is not just a guilt trip. Look at verse 3 again. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because that's just improper for God's 
holy people. You're already connected to God. You're already going to be with God forever. So until we see the fullness of it, these things just don't make sense. All right, two things that we're called to do. And I want you to write them down. And if you're in one of our groups this week, you get the opportunity to wrestle with what this actually means for day-to-day living. But write it down. Number one, avoid the darkness. See, we were darkness. We are light. It's not like you just stumbled in the darkness. You were darkness. The metaphors are so vivid. You were dark at the deepest level because by birth and by being human, we have chosen to live apart from God. We were darkness, but God has made us light. Now, there are three areas. These aren't the only ones. Whenever you look at lists of sins in the Bible, don't just look at those lists. No, those lists, God told specific things to specific churches, but now everything he said to any church applies to us. So these are just some. These aren't the only ones. And and, and these are helpful, and this was helpful for the church in Ephesus in particular, when you think of their background. And I think because our Our city is very much like Ephesus was. These speak to us. Three things that he says we ought to think about. There should be any sexual immorality or impurity is the first one. Now, what is that? The word there for sexual immorality is porneia. It's it's the root word from which we get porn today. And he's not just saying, hey, hey, church, you shouldn't look at porn. Well, they didn't have it in how we have it. Today, the other word is impurity, but it's particularly referring to sexuality. Now, what is, what is he thinking? Now, here's a quote from one of the commentators on this passage, and it just makes it really clear. Uh, and I'll put the quote on the screen. It says, illicit sexual activity was an enormous problem for new Gentile non-Jewish Christians to overcome in the early church. Adulterous relationships, men sleeping with their slave girls, incest, prostitution, quote-unquote sacred sexual encounters in the local temples, that was part of the worship, and homosexuality were all part of everyday life. Rampant sexual immorality in the Greco-Roman society was why the Jews had long been appalled at the behavior of the Gentiles in this regard and considered them impure even before the Jesus movement. The Jewish community, those who had the Bible, looked at their culture and said, this is not like God. Now, this is a massive challenge for us because we're living in a city that's just like Portland. The culture says, any relationship with anyone that I feel comfortable with and we find mutually beneficial is helpful. Therefore, anyone who tries to suggest to me That what I'm doing is outside of the bounds of what I should do is wrong. It's actually now, the mindset has so been warped that now it would be wrong for you to suggest to me that there is a right or wrong. And it would be wrong for you to suggest to me that not exploring all of my sexual appetites as long as it's legal and not hurting the other person, it's all good, whatever you want to do, that's fine. God's view is irrelevant, doesn't matter, and was made up by people. 
That, that is the mindset of the culture. Oh, by the way, we think like, well, how are we going to live out the gospel in our times? Wake up, people. This was Ephesus 30 years after Jesus. There is nothing new under the sun. Our brothers and sisters before us wrestle with the same issues. So stop making excuses like, oh, man, Portland's getting so dark. I should move to Bend. At least there's nice mountains there. Or we should just escape. Everyone, let's go. Let's go off to the forest and let's just read our own books and never interact with the human race because they're all dirty and we want to stay clean. And, and, and God says, come on, kids. Will you please grow up? Nothing new under the sun. Now, what do we do? We remember that the mindset of the world we live in is a mindset, but it doesn't have to be our mindset. So what we could do is we can live a countercultural life, not condemning people. Hear me. Picket signs usually do nothing. I'm not saying you shouldn't protest. That's your right. But they usually don't have the intended effect. What we want to do is affect change in the mind. And so simply saying, you're wrong, we're right, usually doesn't produce. What we want is to produce a new mindset. So what I want to suggest to you is as we live the Jesus way, it becomes for people the alternative view. To say, okay, I've been exploring all this, yet why do I feel bankrupt and I see these Jesus people filled with the life that I want. Now, I don't want their Jesus, and I definitely don't want their rules, but I want what they have. And so what we're called to do is to live as light. We are light. So especially if you're in your 20s and under, just know you are bombarded with messages that say the Bible is antique is antiquity, it's old, it's ancient, it's irrelevant. And finally, we got to a place in our culture where we've gone past that. To which I would just say, look at the results. And what we have is addiction is on the rise. And what we have is suicide and hopelessness is on the rise. And what we have is the decay of family relationships is on the rise because we've ignored God. So don't let your very intelligent professors tell you the truth. Evaluate their statements in light of Jesus. And guess what? Jesus made the world. So your friend with a PhD ain't that smart. And all they do is regurgitating someone else's thoughts anyway. We follow Jesus. And Jesus, it's not, it's not overarching to say, Jesus is the better way. Because this is what we've seen. Now, now, what we do is most of the time we, we look at, um, at sexual uh, variations and say, okay, that's what we need to focus on. But notice, sexual immorality and purity. Yeah, we got to get that right. But look at the second one, greed. I just want to do a 30-week series on greed and watch the church shrink. Just watch it go from nothing to nothing. Finally, it would be me and my family because they're forced to be here. <laughs> greed. Now, what's Greed. Greed is desiring more than you deserve. Greed is desiring more than is due you. That's all greed is. And it's just this never-ending desire for more. Uh, 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 finally, we got a house. We need a bigger house. 
I have, I have four wheels in the car, or a motorcycle, two wheels in, in the car. But yeah, it's not that car. Uh, we had this little vacation. We put away some money. We're able to experience that. Then I go on Instagram and think, yeah, that was nothing. I wish I had that vacation. And on and on and on. Greed, uh, to the Jesus follower, doesn't make sense. Why? Why should we avoid greed? What's the motivation? Greed says God is not enough. God isn't enough. The Father isn't enough. And the Father's been stingy. Therefore, I need to have more. Rather than seeing resources as the gift of God for whatever God wants. And sometimes God's so good, he says, spend it. Splurge. Go big. Enjoy it. I made it for you. To which in those moments we say, thank you, Jesus. And other times he says, yeah, that's actually not for you. I gave it to you because guess what? This person, this situation, this need, this opportunity has your name all over it. Give it away. I gave it to you anyway. And greed says, I, I can't. I can't give that away because I just won't feel right. So before we harp on, on how our culture has strayed from the Bible in terms of sexual immorality and sexual promiscuity. Let's remember, we could be right on that and be wrong on greed. And we could be the most selfish, living for stuff people, and guess what? That's not who you are. You're a light. And when you are a light, everything belongs to God, and it's all his, and a lot of it, most of it's for, for enjoyment. But it all is held with a loose hand. Because guess what? I don't need more. I've got God. And if I have God, I have everything that I need. Isn't that cool? All right. Well, that's not. Notice the sex part was just one. Second was greed. The third one was what? Obscenity, foolish talk, or, or coarse joking. What does it mean? These three speak to a dirty mind that leads to a dirty mouth. How about that one? Maybe the sex thing, you kind of got, you're in line with the, the, the way of Jesus. Which the way of Jesus is one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant relationship, honoring God, learning to love and respect like we saw last week. Everything out of that is out of bounds. Not because God's a prude, because he's wise and he knows what is life-giving. But so much of our attention can be paid on that that we forget how are we speaking about other people? Look at verse 4. There shouldn't be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather, notice what kind of talk, but rather thanksgiving. In other words, there's always something negative to say about everybody. Haven't you found that to be true? It's easy to find dirt. Dirt is cheap. It's just obvious. And it's easy to repeat dirt. It's harder to find the value in someone and say, do you know what? That's amazing. To find the good. And guess what? There is good in 99.99% of people. I'll leave a little bit of room because some people, it's just hard to find it. That's very few. What about, what can we be thankful for in that person and speak words of life? There shouldn't be obscene speech. There shouldn't be foolish speech, joking, which really demeans. And guess what? We are 
we are in a political season that is filled with obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking. And so remember, all of this is in line with, all these 10 are really Ephesians 4 verse 1, right? Therefore, I want to make every effort to live a life that's worthy of the calling that I've received. You've been called to Christ. This is what it means to live that out. It means we think about what we're going to say. So in other words, Jesus wants to influence every part of our life. You just notice the trend here? The sexuality, that's mostly in the mind. And then greed, it's mostly in the hands, like what I do with this stuff. And in the mouth, how I speak. God wants to influence every bit of us. So if we're going to mature in Jesus this year, we need to know we are light so we can see other human beings as light and not sexual objects. We can see people in ways that are generous and not greedy. We can speak about people in ways that are life-giving. Now, I'm not saying we ignore bad things about people. And if it's true and it needs to be called out, there's a place for that. But not in joking and foolishness and, and tearing them down. Do it to their face. Now, when we look at this, the next verses, verses 5, are really tricky. So let's just stop and look at this for a second. For uh, of this you can be sure, in other words, count on this, no immoral, impure, greedy person, that person's like, it's like they're worshiping an idol. No, they don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath is coming on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. Pause. Okay, so you're saying I'm light. But if I do all this stuff, I've lost it? No. What Paul is doing is a massive contrast. He is saying those who don't have Christ are living in a way that's deserving of God's wrath, God's judgment. He is contrasting the culture at large with the church. You are light. These words are not being spoken to those who follow Jesus. Though these words are meant to be a comparison to say, okay, now that you're in Jesus, now that you are light, know this. Those who don't care and are living apart from Jesus have no inheritance. Why in the world would you live like them? Why would you partner? Why would you just jump into the culture just because it's the Portland culture? Don't partner Think about how you live because the end result of their life is destruction. But that's not where you're headed. You're on the path to life. You are light now. All right, second thing, that was all the first thing. Second thing is, is in tandem. Walk in the light. First, we've got to expose the darkness. We've got we to know it's dark. And then we've got to walk in the light. Verse 8 you were once darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. And then he says, the fruit of the light, in case you didn't know what this is, goodness, righteousness, truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. So how do we live this out practically? It's right here. Find out what pleases the Lord. How do you live into this way? 
We think about what would please God. When I think about my friend, when I think about my family, when I think about the situation, when I think about my feelings, rather than just saying, and hear me, the cultural default is, if it feels good to me, I should do it. Right? Why would I deny myself of my appetites? What we don't want to think about is what our appetites, you tell a, you tell a kindergartner, eat sugar morning, noon, and night. Have a nice life. Your appetite for sugar will destroy you. It will destroy you. So you think about what you eat because my appetites may be saying donuts. No offense, we gave you some. Donuts. But, 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 but my mind may be saying broccoli, something good. So what I do is I learn as a Christian to evaluate my appetites and what will please the Lord. So forget the food analogy. Let's think about life. What's going to please God in the way that you treat your body, in the way that you speak, in the way that you see people? What's going to please God? What's going to please God is when we realize, God, I need help today because I don't want to follow your will, even though I love you. Most of the time, I don't want to follow Jesus. I want to follow me. But then I say, God, because of your grace, I want to please you. Help me to please you. We find out goodness, righteousness, truth. Where do we find those things? In the Bible. And so you're saying, well, I, I want to turn this direction. What advice would you give me? I would just say, look at the timer on your phone. If I got an iPhone, it gives me a weekly report, right? I don't know if yours does. You probably disabled it. It was depressing. <laughs> a weekly report. And it tells you in your weekly report how much time you spent in each app. Exactly your breakdown. And could it be just evaluate that and say to myself with integrity, did I make any room for the Bible this week? Not as a guilt trip. Not as a have to, like, okay, God reads Bible. But if you want to know what is right and you want to know what's good and you want to know what's true and you don't look for it, guess what? You're not going to find it. And then you're going to be frustrated why you don't see any life change. And I'm here to tell you, it's, it's here. Find out what pleases the Lord. Now, what do you do to please the Lord? Notice the second thing. Expose the darkness. Look at verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. In other words, we think about, we don't turn a blind eye to our own personal bent. And so part of maturity for us as Jesus followers ought to be owning up our own bent. We all are bent in one direction. And for some, it's sexual immorality. And for some, it's greed. And for some, it's the way we speak. And for some, it's all three. And for some, it's others. So we don't beat each other up. You know what we do? We expose it. And expose is not a negative thing. It's we bring it into the light. Because that which is visible becomes light. As long as I hide it from you. As long as I pretend it doesn't exist. It stays in the dark. But as Jesus follows, what we're learning and the reason we value community life together is that is a place not to just throw up on people, but to say in love one to another, I realize that I am light, but there is darkness. 
And what I want to do is I want this to experience the grace of God and the mercy of God. So we do this in loving ways. When it says expose, uh, some twist it to say it's our job as Christian leaders to point out your flaws. Why don't you measure up? Hey, I saw this. Hey, I saw that. And that is not what it's an implying. One to another, we're honest. And if you don't have that yet, can I just suggest that's one of the ways God will grow you. By you being real with someone and them being real with you, we're both able to say we're light, but it's already not yet. I'm already light in the Lord. I'm already forgiven. I already get grace. But you know what? We're not fully in the kingdom where we're with Jesus face to face and we have no more sin. We're still struggling. Can we, can we talk about this from time to time? Because I don't want to live in the dark. I want to live in the light. And then the final metaphor, this picture, and he quotes about wake up, oh sleeper, is the idea that we need to wake up. Like what a visual. What a, this is a beautiful visual. This is what the enemy would want to do. Get you so entangled in you that you're like not even awake to the grace of God, forgetting God has grace for you. His mercy, his death and resurrection is more than enough to cover your bill. And, and so what we need to do is wake up to the grace and the mercy of God that is able to cover a multitude of sins. And we need to wake up to the patterns that are pulling us off. Some of us were just so asleep to it, we don't think about it. Notice the metaphor. I was sleeping last night, and I was thinking about, about like, my dog. Like, in my, I had a weird dog, a dream about my dog last night. It was very, 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 very odd. My dog was being, like, um, bitten by some object, and I was trying to, I was trying to pull this thing that was biting my dog, like, off of it, and finally I took a knife and sliced the head off of this thing that was biting my dog. I'm just giving you my dream last night. Okay. That was a dream. Total waste of time. Has no, my dog's fine. I, I pet Daisy this morning, said, I love you, I love you, I love you. I was asleep. So I wasn't even thinking about things that matter. When you're asleep, when you're in la-la land, you're not thinking about things that matter. But then I woke up. And I thought about things that matter, like you, like this church, like my family, like Jesus. So can I just suggest to you, there are times in your Christian walk where you are dead asleep and you don't even know it. And so the Spirit of God is saying to you, wake up! Why? Wake up, O sleeper, because Christ will shine on you when you're awake. Now when you're asleep, you don't see Jesus moving. When you're lulled and you're off in your own la-la land, you're in your own dream world, in your own selfish ambition, you aren't even thinking. It's like you having a dream about Daisy the dog being beaten by something. It's all useless. It's all wasted. But then when you wake up, oh man, you can see God in a new way and he could do something new in you. Wake up. The call this morning is to, to wake up. Now, what does it mean to wake up? It means that we repent. 
we turn to God. When I was asleep, I'm not kidding, I woke up thinking something would kill my dog. And you know me, I love my dog. But I just shook that off. I was like, like, okay, that was just a dream. And then I turned my attention onto things that are real. Can that happen for you this morning? Yes, it can. God can wake you up by the Holy Spirit and get you off of that thing that was irrelevant and non-important and center your soul on Jesus and you can receive grace and mercy and life. You can be born again. And that could happen if you will be awake. Are you awake? Are you awake right now? Are you awake to what Jesus is trying to do in you or are you just like floating along in dreamland week to week, month to month? This morning, the call is to wake up and to invite Jesus to do serious rescuing in our soul. Okay, now, what do we do? If you're new here, we respond now. We take what we heard, which is we, we, we don't walk in the darkness, we walk in the light. And now we ask the Holy Spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you need to awaken in me? And that may be very hard for some. If you have been living in the darkness for a long, 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 long time, just the admission that it's dark is a hard step. Can I just say to you, make that step this morning. Uh, how do we do it here? We have a prayer team and we have a room right across the hall. And I would invite you, if, if, if this morning God's been stirring you, to just have another brother or sister in Jesus. You don't want to still spill the beans. You don't want to give the details. Just say, you know what? This morning, I realized it was time for me to wake up. And would you pray for me that God's light would push away the darkness? And he will do it this morning as we take steps of repentance, steps of faith. And now would be the time. If you haven't started following Jesus, hey, time is ticking. Follow Jesus now. Do it now. Why now? Because you don't know. You have no idea about tomorrow. You have no guarantee of next week. If you're ready to follow Jesus, do the same thing. Just when we all get up, go and speak to the person on our prayer team and say, like, you know what? I actually want to follow Jesus. And they'll lovingly guide you and encourage you and pray with you, probably give you a hug. This is what we do for one another because we love one another. This is what it means to live in the light. All right, stand up if you would. And let's uh, respond by saying thanks to God for exposing the things that are unlike him with the goal. God's goal is good for you. It's not evil. It's good for you. And so let's ask him now as we worship and respond to say, Lord, now take the truth and drill it not just to my brain, but let it be lived out this week. Lord, we confess we need you. We long for you. There's no one else greater than you now, Holy Spirit. Would you take the truth of God, the righteousness, the goodness, the things that are true, and would you make them real? Lord, you know the areas of darkness. We confess we have sinned again and again. We've fallen short of the glory of God. But now in your love, will you wipe away every sin and wrongdoing? Bring us back into the light and show us how to avoid the deeds of darkness, but to walk in the truth. Holy Spirit, we need you. Friends, as we sing, let the Holy Spirit work in you at any point if you feel like, you know what, now's the time to pray with someone. Just slip out and the prayer room is open and I encourage you to go and be healed.